How are we going, guys? Welcome back to your weekly offside report. We're recording a bit later than usual this week after some monumental Champions League results over the last couple of days. It was, and it was a historic weekend for the Premier League as well. Half the games featured a match deciding winner or equaliser at the death. It was Red Fred's redemption for United as Ragnick settles in, into the hot seat. Chelsea slip into third. Newcastle get their first win. Everton bounce back and much more, which we'll dive into in a moment. But joining me on the panel are my experts, Mitch Paul and Al Jensen. Jimmy is away after becoming a dad. And yes, we're all a bit worried about that. But congratulations to him. Al, did you have a message for him? Oh, no, it's, I can't believe he's not here, but, you know, Jimmy is a dad who's said a quick message to do for Jimmy and Fiona. Um, and forgive me for this. Congratulazioni per la nascita di tuo figlio, Luca. How about that? How, how about great. that? That's great. I like, I like the accent as well. I, I love that. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. He's probably already teaching his baby Italian as well. So I'm sure Luca will understand that too. But yes, thank, thanks for that intro, Al. Uh, obviously, you're replacing him this week after a week away in the motherland, reconnecting with your roots in the UK. Uh, you got to visit the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well. How was that? It was phenomenal. What a stadium. It's complete. It's world class. Yeah. You know, yeah been- how does it compare to White Hart Lane? Um, I think well, obviously it's bigger. It's just that you know, it's 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 an all whole whole new experience to be honest with you. The whole you know the whole, whole night. I managed to get down to um, you know the Tottenham Brentford game on that Thursday night, and what a cracker! You know, I haven't been in the area for there in the area for years, and the whole place is completely transformed. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot more of a community feel to it. You know, even White Hart Lane's train station was amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the experience was outstanding. Yeah, atmosphere. You saw the you guys won three nil that night, didn't you? No, it was two nil. So it's a three nil one before before the Norwich game, which was three nil. Yeah, so five goals. You know, in two games, two two uh, clean sheets. It's 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 looking up at the moment. Mm. Antonio Conte's at the wheel, mate. How was it like actually seeing Conte pitch side right in front of you as well? You had amazing seats for that game against Brentford. Yeah, it was it was the experience was outstanding. I mean, as I said, we were like eight rows back behind the dugouts, and uh, Conte was there. He had the Conte can. He actually kept on getting trouble from the uh, assistant referee for stepping outside the uh, the technical area every five minutes, which is uh, it was very funny. But he's a great character for sure. You know, he's jumping up and down, screaming up, you know, screaming at the players. Typical uh, Italian. Yeah, uh, but that's great. You know, even even the fans are still are singing his name already after two games, which is <laughs> you know, a little bit. We don't want to get, you know, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Um, we should be beating teams like teams like Brentford and Norwich. Um, and this, remember, comes off the back of losing to Mura in the mm. Europa Conference League. So, who are basically the domestic club equivalent of San Marino. Yeah, I've never heard of them. I had to Google them, and even Google couldn't even Wikipedia couldn't even give me many much on them. It was very interesting. Well, <laughs> so the, that was that was their first win ever. I mean, obviously, it's the competition's first season in charge, but they've never been in a European competition before, and that was their first win. They've they've only been around nine years in Slovenia. Oh yeah, that's Crazy. right. Something about 2012 they were established. Yeah, that is embarrassing. But yeah, thank God for your sake. Anyway, they bounced back, and you saw a win. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the experience I said about the stadium being world-class, you know, the whole place has changed. It's, it's phenomenal. You know, it's, it's good for the community. Sorry, I was just going to say, I've got a serious question, not so much about the football, but your seats, as, as we pointed out earlier, looked very, very nice. Um, yeah. In the section you were in, were you able to take alcohol back to the seat? Because that was the thing that annoyed me the most when I was in England, is you can't go back to your seat with a beer. Could you do that? No, you don't take your beer out there. But I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's, it, it, there are lots of bars. And at the top of Hotspur Stadium, they've got, on the touchline, they've got the longest um, bar at a football stadium. It's, it's just underneath the, the, the seats. Oh, yeah. I, di- I didn't actually get to that one. I, was, um, I thought I haven't been there. You know, it's my first time back, so I thought I'd go on the premium experience. So the tickets were a little bit pricey. But it's worth it, you know, including an exclusive bar, a bit of food before the game. I had a chicken balti pie and mash with a side of spicy aligu sauce on the side, which is wow, hey. um, fancy. They also, they also have their own craft beer from Beavertown Brewery, which is on the site, which is a nice little drop. But yeah, you can't take your beer inside, but you, I had plenty of um, plenty of pints at half time. As long as you're well hydrated, mate, that's all that matters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's also the rain, Rainbow Laces game for the LBGTQA, hopefully I've said that right, community. Uh, so they had a massive laser light show before kickoff. You know, it was like stepping, stepping into something like Star Wars. It was so unreal. Um, mm. The atmosphere was, was so, it was so loud. It was, it was such a different experience like it was. I mean, White Hart Lane was great, but this was just unreal. Yeah. Uh, that's actually really good to hear because you hear about um, other teams and their stadiums. Um, like obviously West Ham's the most recent one when they le- left the Bolain grounds, uh, kind of killed the atmosphere of the games at the Olympic Stadium. Uh, same happened with City and some some people even say Arsenal at the Emirates. Um, but yeah, to see it, you know, have a reverse effect with Tottenham's, yeah, pretty good to hear, I think. Um, promising for future fans, I think. You've got you guys have kind of set the standard. Yeah, definitely. All the all the all the um, the stadiums will, will will be like that in in a few years' time for sure. I mean, they've spent a lot of money on it. It's about a, a one billion pound stadium. Um, <laughs> they should have spent a lot more money on the players, really. <laughs> but anyway, it's onwards and upwards. I was over there. We got a win. You know, it was fantastic, mm. Mitch. How are you, mate? Um, your last week probably wasn't as exciting as Al's, but how are you going anyway? <laughs> I don't, don't think anything could top uh, Al's week at the moment. But uh, look, that no, was a good good week. Uh, it was nice to uh, watch a bit of football. Nice to see uh, some structure at United for once. Um, and good to see Al left Tottenham with a little present. Um, seemed to have destroyed them after visiting them. But that's that's okay. That is a wild coincidence. So Al leaves and a day later, two days later, comes out that the whole Tottenham Hotspur team have COVID or I don't know how many, 13, 13 people, including staff. Yeah, it's something eight, ridiculous eight, like eight that. First team players have got it. And, I, and it's definitely not for me. I've had four tests already, four negative results, boys. So, you know, I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. So your game against Rennes has been postponed for the Europa League and possibly the Premier League game against Brighton coming up. Do, do we think that will go ahead? Uh, hopefully not. Uh, I don't know who they're going to play instead. You know, um, have the plays been named? No. Well, there's one, one was Sunny. Oh, really? Uh, but apparently, they they none of them have got um, any symptoms either. So it's one of those. Well, you know, they've got a 
No, they've yeah. got to isolate for 10 days. Mm, Unlike myself, I'm actually isolating for three days, quarantining here. Um, but yeah, as I said, I've got negative results, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it must be. So we can scratch Al off the, off the list of case zeros. But uh, lucky you did go uh, watch a game over there. Lucky you watched a win as well. Um, imagine making the trip to England after so many years and missing the game out because of the COVID outbreak. You would have been absolutely spewing. Yeah, it but, was perfect timing. Mm, absolutely. Um, got to see a world-class manager as well. Speaking of new managers, uh, Mitch, so far so good, I think, with Ralph Ragnick. Uh, one week in the job, hasn't lost the game. One nil against Crystal Palace, a draw with young boys, albeit with the second string side. What have you made of his first week in charge? I mean, straight away, you can see the differences. Um, the games, they look the way United play. The structure is there. The, the players are actually staying in formation. Um, interestingly, you know, there was lots of comments about the pressing, pressing, you know, United don't press, blah, blah, blah. But you look at it from a perspective on the amount of Ks the players are traveling. It's pretty similar to when Ole was there. But the major difference is, is it's its effort. You know, the United players are actually staying already in position where they need to be. So now it's a five, you know, it's a 15, 20 meter sprint as opposed to what was probably, you know, back under Ole, a 30 meter, 40 meter, and you're running just because, you know, you should already be there. Um, the structure is phenomenal. That's what it comes back down to. The players look like there's a bit more confidence out there at the moment. Um, mm. Certain players definitely seem to really be shining under a new man, uh, Fred. But uh, look, it's it's impressive to see. And, you know, Ronaldo, I think everyone, you know, including myself, was a bit like, well, how's he going to fit in? But he's clearly doing a fine job and, and he backs him. And you know what? This morning was really nice to see a lot of young kids out there playing for United, a lot of academy, you know, graduates, so to speak. Um, and I think that's if that's what we've got to look forward to with Ralph, that's that's fantastic. We want to see these kids come through and given chances at United. And, you know, if we show there's that pathway back, you know, we can have a class of 92 situation in a couple of years down the track as long as Ralph is still around. So mm. that's it's been good. It's been good. I'm, I won't say it's as, as impressive as Conte just yet, but uh, it's nice. Well, wait, hang on a sec. It's, it, you're saying it's all turn a corner, but you know, there's got a bit, of pray, a bit, bit more praise for uh, Michael Carrick. I mean, he, he had two games in charge and, what, two wins, didn't he? Wasn't two it? games, two wins. But, I mean, that comes down to that. And we spoke about it, um, I think, just before you left, Al, or maybe just after the podcast after you. And I sort of mentioned it's if the players go out and play well, it's it's almost harmful yeah. because it just shows they didn't want to try. for Ole. And I think that's a lot of, you know, don't get me wrong, what Ralph's done is impressive so far and what Carrick did was impressive. But I think a lot of it has to come down to the fact they did not want to play towards the end for Ole. Um, and that's concerning, but it's definitely nice to see the change rooms turn a corner and, and for now uh, backing what, what he's doing. So hopefully it stays mm. that way for a little bit longer and United can continue to push hopefully a bit higher up that ladder. Yeah, like oh, I was Table. thinking too. Table. <laughs> They're not cleaning windows. One week back in the argument start. One podcast back in it all. It's coming in. Well, yeah, you missed me for all of this last. I mean, I listened to the pod last week. It was great. Probably, probably better with it without me, but um, yeah, <laughs> we need some of this bit. But, but that, that was a good back. pick ass for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we, that's why we have you on, Al. That's why we need you here. But yeah, my question was um, was going to be, you know, obviously United have picked up the pace with pressing, and oh, I've seen so many articles about how many kilometers their players have run. But where was this under? Ollie, wouldn't any manager want their players to run more and to encourage pressing? 
Like what? It's not really rocket science. Um, obviously, Ragnik's a really good coach and, you know, uh, he's got a really good reputation. But, yeah, I mean, surely it's not rocket science to get your team out and run more and encourage fitness and try and build it. Where, where was this under Ollie? Why wasn't he doing this? I think it's one of those things that it, I don't think he had the necessarily hasn't been around long enough, hasn't had the experience, maybe not confident enough in himself to bring it in. Um, mm. You look at the teams and the players he was managing before this. I mean, who are they? It's always not had that backing that Ralph certainly coming in now. And he, he knows it works. He knows it's effective and it's, he has the presence and the ability and clearly United are heavily backing him considering they've given him, you know, the role afterwards for two years being, um, that's, I've lost it now, Nick, if you want to jump in and save me here, he's the, what's he doing after he steps down as coach? Uh, he's going into like an advisory role or That's something. It. Yep. So the players know he's going to be there for the long haul. The players know he's not a short-term fix. So there's probably that bit of backing maybe um, and they're happy to do yeah. it. And that, and he's coming in. This is what he's doing. This is It's going to be literally his way or leave from the start. And I don't think the players had that under Ole. I don't think they were too stressed. I think they were comfortable. Um, I'd even start to question. And again, we spoke character did a really good job for those two matches. But, you know, how much influence does he have on a training ground in comparison to an experienced coach, which is what we've already seen Ralph bring in. You know, these these things make a difference on the training ground if it's being reinforced 24-7. And you're right, like pressing, that's what everyone wants to do. You know, you can look it up on Google right now and we can all work out how to press. It's not the most difficult thing. It's But you've all got your own philosophy on it as a coach and that's what Ralph's got and his is strong and he believes in it and he knows what's going to work. And it's a big difference. You, The way they did it on the weekend was fantastic. You know, they kept them in tight areas. They didn't let them play out easily. They forced mistakes as they came out. We, when we played against Liverpool, it was a total opposite. We we pressed with no structure to it. No, you know, there was, you've always got to have a point man when they go. There was none of that. It was just, oh, shit, I should be in position now. I'll start to run at you. And then for, you do that a team against Liverpool, they'll beat you every time. Most most Premier League teams should be able to play out of a, you know, poorly structured press. So mm. I think that's the biggest difference. I think coaching wise, it's probably changed at the training ground. And then on game day, the, he'll take them off. He doesn't care. He's not there to win friends. Mm. He's there to win games and, and make a difference. Mm. Yeah, well said. I do remember when um, Klopp took over at Liverpool and sorry for bringing Liverpool up for the first time on the podcast, okay. but uh, there were a few injuries uh, later in the season after um, he started to instill all that, you know, running and pressing and all that sort of stuff. So especially for Ronaldo, who's been, you know, a bit invincible over the last few years of his career in terms of injuries anyway. Um, yeah, could see some soft tissue hammies coming up hopefully not but uh it's a bit of a watch this space moment oh, i think i think there'll be that wear and tear but i i think almost in a way it won't hinder united too much i mean you look at the players that are still sitting on the bench you've still got martial that doesn't play much greenwood sancho oh yeah rashford i mean they're all if that just means they get rotated a little bit a bit more often you know when they come off with 20 30 minutes to go and you put on a greenwood for rashford well it's i'm happy to see that that's a that's a good thing united haven't played these young guys enough as far as i'm concerned so we'll see what happens Mm. To be honest with you, though, we don't want to get too ahead of ahead of ourselves, because you know we, when there's a new manager and you see that at Tottenham, seeing that at Villa with Gerard as well, there's extra motivation for those players. Um, you know, they're, they're honeymoon kind of, period. It is. It is that honeymoon period. You, you always see it. You always see this this it's happening, and then and then sometimes mm. it, you know it can go either way. Yep. Yeah. Well, experience. I mean, I, I think that's how Ollie got his last job, wasn't it? His honeymoon. Period got extended a bit. They thought he was better than what he was. And they gave him a contra- contract a bit prematurely, I thought, anyway, at the time. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, 
I guess a manager who hasn't really had that honeymoon period is Rafa Benitez um, in his first few months in charge at Everton. Um, but they did get the win against uh, against Arsenal, 92nd minute winner by Damari Gray. I mean, that was just one of five other uh, late deciders over the weekend. It was a crazy weekend um, football I want to ask you guys, which one was your favourite? Out of the five, I think there was more pay. He scored in like the 98th minute for uh, Brighton. Divock Origi, the Liverpool legend. Bamford returned in the 95th minute. And Masuaku against Chelsea. So, boys, over to you. Which one was your favourite? I'll start. I thought probably Bamford's, um, you know, he's been been out for almost two months or over two months with a, that ankle injury. You know, coming off the bench and scoring that 95th minute winner. You know, he got booked for his celebration. I thought that was that was pretty special. Um, <laughs> yeah, he deserved that. He deserved that celebration, though. That that was an awesome, awesome return. Um, good goal as well, Mitch. Look, you know, I'm not going to give any credit to uh, Liverpool in this one, so that's not happening. Um, <laughs> I thought West Ham's, if we're all honest here, and I mean, he admitted it afterwards. It was a cross. Um, and look, you got to take it. You take them however you can get them. You know, you, you're not going to argue with that. And it was, you know, you can't say they didn't deserve to at least come away with a point, let alone three. So they played well. But for me, I think Brighton just Neil Mopa. He is just. We talk about a club that's not necessarily winning game. You know, we talked about them last week getting booed. You know, because and, of results and but, draws and, and draws, but they're getting results. This is what you know. If you're a if your team is stealing results at the death, no matter how they come around. You're leaving, you're leaving games of points. You've got to be happy with that. You know, there is mm. there is so many Premier League teams that would kill for a, a draw, you know, late winners, late equalizers, whatever it is. Uh, I think if you're a Brighton fan, you've got to be happy. You know, your team is fighting to the death. You know, there's clearly something going right there. And, and Mopay, well, what a player. He is just, he loves a late, he loves a late goal. You know, he yeah. loves keeping people on the edge of their seat. And, you know, I think if you're a team that comes up against Brighton now, you know the job's not finished. You know you've got to play to the final whistle. And I think that's a good thing. But for me, I just think Brighton just phenomenal at the moment with what they're doing. I mean, they should be winning games, but to to be consistently getting late equalizers is it's not bad. Mm, on the flip side of that one, last week. Go so on. I, I was going to say on the flip flip side of that one, the Saints. You know, it was the ninety eighth minute winner, uh, not winner. Um, you know that goal was, and you just think that you know they've got to they've got to hold up, hold 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 on for that that win. Hundred percent. But a little bit of na- naivety from there from that side. That's when you start doing your shoelaces up, you know, walking around the long way. Exactly. Changing throw-ins, uh, getting taking, you know, if you've got a cop a few yellow cards to steal a win, which which Southampton do need those three, did need those three points. Mm. You've got those sort of tactics have to come into it, you know, making late subs. I mean, they got rid of their subs early in the 80th sort of minute range, you know, none later um, because they'd use them all. So you've got to save them up. You know you're under the pump. Make one in the 90, you know, in the late 80th, 80th minute to just waste a bit more time, but... It's game management. They'll hopefully pick that up, but you would have thought, yeah, you'd thought they'd do that better. Ali, you love those sort of tactics, don't you? What, what were you talking about before you left a couple of weeks ago about the tactics you like to enjoy on the field? Was it the time wasting? Well, no, it's just those 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 fat little niggly fouls and stuff like that. You just got, oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, take a yellow here and there, stuff like that. I don't know. Obviously, don't like the diving we're talking about. I don't think it's the same thing, but you know, you've got got to yeah, you've got to. You've got yeah. to do those little fouls, otherwise you, it's just coming into a non-contact sport, which will, is, is what we don't want. Mm, mm. 
And back on Everton, just for a second before we move on, um, I mentioned Rafa Benitez before. Um, great to bounce back, but now that you know they've got that win, do we actually think Benitez can actually turn the ship around for the Toffees? I mean, we should be encouraging teams to sack. Or we, I mean, we shouldn't should be, be encouraging teams. No, sorry, we shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't be encouraging teams to sack managers after a few months. But um, yeah, do you think he, they, he can turn it around over there? Yeah, I think he, he probably would. I mean, it's, it's, mm. he just needs those players. I mean, it's it's a good win against the the, the Gooners, um, and you know they've lost two two in a row now, which is yep. great great news. But yeah, I think uh, you know Benitez will turn it around. He's got that. He's got the experience. He should should be able to keep. You know, they they need to keep him in there. Yeah, you know, it's it is a transitional uh, time at the moment for the for for the Toffees. Mm. I just want to go back. Oh, sorry, sorry oh, no. go, go. Uh, to get back to your point about cheeky little fouls. What did you make of uh, Ben Godfrey stepping on uh, Tommy Asu? Did you think that was on purpose? Or... Well, I, didn't, I didn't actually see that. What happened? Didn't see it. So they were should have been sent off. Should, yeah, arguably a red card. It'd be interesting where this falls in your if it's a grey area, if you will, or if you're happy to let it, let it ride. Um, Explain. No, tell me about it. He's taking him out just on the touchline, put a bit of pressure okay. on. Then as he's falling over, as they're both falling over, he seems to just step on his, was it his head or his chest as he as he went over the top? And it was questionable whether he moved his foot in line or whether it was just sort of a, you know, as you stumble, you lose control of your feet. But it definitely was questionable. And there was no, I don't think he got a yellow either. I think it was just, yeah, it was yeah. definitely going to be more of a red, I would have thought. Just you can't step on someone's head. Full well, stuff. no, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, those those. That's that is an example. It's probably a little bit over the top. Um, Cellini in the Euros in the Euros against uh, Saka. We see that one. That was yes. again a little bit over the top. You know what? What, what would you would you say? I mean, I would be interested step on someone's head on that one. Maybe not. You know, I, you thought just... he, I thought Cellini was a, and you know, I was the one arguing about fouls, but that's just a that's gamesmanship of a very senior player knowing he was beaten and knowing that's he was going to concede a goal, and it was on halfway, so he knows the worst case is a yellow. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just, that's a senior player. And you'd expect that from a senior player like him who's been around the block, who knows exactly what he's going to cop, but knows it's for the team. So that's what I'm talking about. I, I, that, that, those are fine, I think. If you're taking them out halfway line, obviously I didn't like it at, that, at the point at that, uh, at that time, but uh, being an England supporter. But, I, you know, if you're going to step on someone's head, then no, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, good call. Uh, good but call. I missed that one. Uh, but it sounds like it should have been a red. Yeah, where's VAR in those situations? Yeah. I mean, surely that's a clear and obvious mistake. Just, yeah, just, and it would have could have changed that game completely as well. Everton go yeah. down to ten men. That's that's under the pump, and you know you can argue that Arsenal would at least got out of there with a draw, if not the win. Mm, yeah, probably the win. I'd say. And we probably would be talking about Rafa Benitez being sacked right now, if that's the case. Um, well, who knows what happens when Everton go down to 10 men? Like it could have, the floodgates could have opened really. Um, moving on, what about Newcastle? Since we last spoke on the podcast, they were going into two games against Norwich and Burnley. They had to win one of them. Um, they drew against Norwich, got the win against Burnley. They're off the mark. Question now is, do the floodgates open? They're, they're three points from safety. Uh, can they continue this? Um, yeah, can can they continue with the momentum, Mitch? I mean, it's, he's your man, Eddie Howe. He is. He is. I back him. I think if you look at that Newcastle, uh, the Newcastle Norwich game, if we go back to the original one, 
they were down at 10 men from the ninth minute. You know, yeah. they did, they were, and they didn't look out of place in that match at all. They obviously scored, you know, 60 minutes into the second half uh, through Callum Wilson. No shocks there. Performed under Eddie Howe, performing <laughs> under Eddie Howe at Newcastle now. So, yeah. and then Timo Puki, I mean, another player that likes to, you know, keep himself in the names of Premier League teams of someone that can score goals. And he did exactly that. He scored late, but I think, you know, that Norwich game, you look at it as a good thing for Newcastle. I think if this was back under, you know, a couple of months ago, I think they just lose that. They, they turned absolute rubble after going to 10 men and, and it all falls away. If you look at what happened on the weekend, one nil win against Burnley, Burnley are a hard team to beat at the best of times. They, they defend well. They have, they've, they've picked up some points lately as well. So I think it's a good win. And I really hope that this is a start, you know, for, for Newcastle to start picking up more points consistently. Um, I definitely think Eddie Howe's the right man to do it. It's just going to be, you know, I think they can get out of that relegation zone comfortably at this rate if they keep performing. Mm. Have you seen their next six games? I'm hoping they're pretty. I'm just sort of looking them up. As I'm- <laughs> it's Leicester. Okay, Leicester's going to be interesting this weekend. That's a good test, though. Leicester away. Leicester away. It won't be easy, but Leicester have been not playing the best either lately. Yeah, yeah, so fair enough. It could be but- there. It could be a good one for Eddie Howe to poach. I mean, that's what he did at Bournemouth. He was good at stealing wins where he shouldn't have. So, yeah. Yep. You know, they've well, got the tails up. You would, you would hope so because after that is Liverpool away, City at home, Man United at home, Everton away, and even Southampton away isn't that easy. So I can't see many wins there in the next six. And we're approaching the halfway mark of the season as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be a huge month really for Newcastle. Um, and then obviously January, the January transfer window opening up. Um, yeah, very interesting times down on Tyneside. Well, that, that, that's where they spend about £100 million, weren't they? And also, did you see them celebrate after the game, like they'd won the league? I knew you were going to bring this up, Al, and I, had the per- I actually thought it was going to be Nick, to be honest, because I had the perfect comeback for this, but I couldn't that's remember right. the game for the life of me. But Nick will know the game. What was that match that Liverpool was recently after Jurgen Klopp, you know, took over? And I think you drew a yeah. game and he made yeah. all the players walk all the way to the other end of the field for drawing a match. I'm not against yeah, it. I don't I mind it. Passion. Yeah. That was against West Brom. It was a two-all draw at Anfield. Um, at and the time, celebrate. though, we they didn't celebrate. I think at the time, um, if I remember correctly, we had had a really rough time against playing West Brom. They were a bogey side. Uh, we scored a last-minute equaliser to... Um, uh, to, to draw the game. And I think at the time, Jurgen Klopp had to dig at fans for leaving games early. Um, so when we drew that game, he went to the fans and he just showed the appreciation for staying on, and which was rewarded, I guess, with a late, late equaliser. So a bit of a difference. Maybe I'm just defending Liverpool too much, but yeah, I mean, go on. Go on with whatever the question was. <laughs> was it Al? Was it directed at Al? Oh, no, look, at my point was just purely directing at you going, Newcastle can celebrate <laughs> their it. first. They can celebrate their first Premier League win like that because it does mean a lot. It's a big thing. It's first win under a new ownership, new manager, you know. And it was a long time things. coming. A long time coming. So I've got it's nothing against them celebrating it. It's just hopefully they can back it up this weekend because it, as Nick's just pointed out, it could be a while before the next one. So, yeah, yeah. And they, they need that, uh, that motivation that, um, I don't know. Yeah, I think they just need that for the team. Uh, it's good to celebrate the small wins. They're going to, yeah, like I said, they're going to hope that there's going to be a few more coming later on. Um, yeah, Champions League this morning, boys, uh, at the time of recording anyway, Barcelona have been knocked out of the Champions League. It's the first time they've been knocked out of the group stage in 20 years. 
They're going to be entering the Europa League for the first time in 18 years. This is just unheard of, particularly in my lifetime. Um, I mean, as far as I can remember, uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, Barcelona have always been a Champions League side and to see him in the Europa League, I mean, it's a bit of a mockery on the club's name. Uh, I reckon this could be, and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, are they going to be the new AC Milan team in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years? They've got the debt, they're in trouble, uh, you know, the last four Champions League runs have been disastrous for them. What are your thoughts on that? It's a big call. I'll tell you what, if Jimmy Go was on. on the pod, he would be, be ripping into you right now. Good. AC Good. Manan, but he's not here and I can't do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing for Barcelona, but I mean, it's, you know, it's one season. We'll see what happens next, next year as well, but they'll probably go on and, and win the Europa League. Well, they need to, but I mean, can they beat West Ham? That's the. <laughs> That's it, exactly. That's not I even a silly question. I don't question think they'll win it. the Europa League. They're just not winning a lot of games of football at the moment. I don't think they win the Europa League. No way. I think from that your, you saw Xavi came out this morning and absolutely just, he sort of uh, vented, I uh, vented the media about the players. You know, he went and said, This is disgusting. He goes, I spoke to them before the match and just, you know, made them understand what this means to us. And, now they're not there, and it's just it's huge, especially for someone like Xavi who won it so many times there. Um, what that means to him, and to be playing in Europa, he wouldn't even know some of the teams they're playing against. He would have never heard of them. He's gonna have to go home and study. But I just think you know, for a team like Barcelona to be in there, it, it hurts. But they've got to win it now, and I don't think they're capable of it at, the, at this current stage. And you know, we say it's only for one year, but their standings in the La Liga at the moment it could actually be more than that because they're not they're not even looking that impressive in their own league. But mm. I think if hopefully Barcelona don't become that AC Milan because I don't think La Liga can afford to really just be a one-horse race for Real Madrid. I don't think world well, football, that's a good thing either for world football. Well, the reason I brought it up was because obviously they've got the money problem. They're not going to be bringing in any huge players in the coming years. And I, I still think their team needs a bit of an overhaul. Yes, they've got their academic players coming up. Results are going against them. The last four Champions League runs, I think uh, it started off with getting knocked out by Roma, uh, losing 3-0 to them. Then the 4-0 game against Liverpool, 8-2 last season against Bayern Munich, and now they're knocked out of the group stages. It's just been a downward spiral. Um, and, yeah, it's hard to see how that's going to be turned around when, you know, they're not going to be spending as much money. Messi's not there. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's pretty similar to the way AC Milan went down as well. Uh, and yeah, speaking of AC Milan, when Jimmy was last on the podcast, was it? I can't remember if you were, um, if it was the podcast with you, Al, or um, the one while you were away. He was talking about Ibrahimovic saying the Serie A is um, better than or a higher standard than the Premier League or something like that. Surely, I wish Jimmy was on the podcast because AC Milan couldn't beat Liverpool's second string side. We had a 17 year old in midfield during the week. Uh, we beat them at the San Siro. They finished last in the group. And if anyone ever says the Serie A is better than the Premier League right now, I'll throw up. <laughs> it was convincing for me. I'll pay it. And I was eagerly actually watching the, you know, I was refreshing my APL lives and they're watching the scores unfold in that match. Uh, and yeah, look, I was waiting for you to send a message to the uh, chat and just give a little bit of, uh, you know, rub a bit of salt in Jimmy and just, you know, push around a little bit. But you didn't. And I was impressed. 
But look, you've got a the Premier League is by far and away the best competition at the moment in Europe. Yeah. Or you oh, know, in oh, world oh. football. There's no arguments yeah. there. I don't think there can be any argument made at all. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wasn't even just talking about the obviously there's a massive gap between Liverpool and AC Milan, but I think Inter lost, they obviously scraped through. Uh Juventus just scraped through beating uh Malmo or something like yeah, that. Malmo just, I don't know. Yeah, I wish Jimmy's probably listening. Um, well, no. In, in in all fairness, he was saying about Ibrahimovic. He was saying that like he was, you know, tactically England in the past and England play English clubs haven't been as skillful as Italian clubs or Spanish clubs and stuff like that. So, you know, from a point from that lack of uh, quality, the players, you know, they're like Spanish La Liga. We, we, down in the you know in the years gone by, they've always been you know the quality this the, the the attacking players and stuff like that have, have been better than the England. You know, he's talking about the England national team as well. Mm. Um, that was you know that's what he was saying from a from that point of view. But yeah, from from yeah, definitely Premier League is the, is the best team. It's it's got the most best best league in the world. It's got the most money, um, and that's where that's attracting all those. Those players, they want to go there for for the cash mm. and to, to live in Manchester <laughs> and Newcastle. And Newcastle, that's it, to one side. Um, moving on, the A-League, Mitch, your favourite league. <laughs> our, all of our favourite league, really. Best, best league. In, that, that's it, that's it. Uh, we went to a game last week, actually, Melbourne City, Western United. Uh, Melbourne City, they didn't win that week. They're the champions. That was their first loss of the season. They bounced back, I think it was last night, um, to get back on track. Uh, I was going to ask you, um, because I came up with my questions yesterday, are you worried about Melbourne City? Are they going to bounce back? Um, Is it signs to panic yet for them? But, I mean, they yeah, they beat Perth Glory last night, but go on anyway with your response. (laughs) I, I think I don't think there's any reasons to worry. They they started last. They had a bad patch last year as well, where they lost four games straight. I think so. You know, I don't think there's any reason they should worry. I mean, it's still the same front three running around. Um, I do think it's worth pointing out though that it's not the coaching staff is not the same because Norbo's still on top, but the coaches he's now put around himself after you know I think one of their coaches went to Mumbai, another city club, another left on his own accord. You know, they were two key coaches, and when you lose coaching staff and you replace them with other ones, it can be a little bit of a change in that training ground uh, area. So I think maybe that could be having an effect, just players adjusting to new coaches that have new ideas, new ways of doing things. And obviously, Kiznorbo has the last say, but if these guys are more now just happy to agree with what Kiznorbo is saying and not necessarily push back on ideas, well, this could be another reason why we're seeing a different city. But oh, look, you're four games in, aren't we? And, you know, they beat, they got a late winner against Perth, who haven't been doing great anyway, but it's, it's three points, so it counts. And in the end, you know, it's a pretty close competition at the moment, early days. No one's really run away or anything yet. We've saw victory, obviously, lose 3-0 to Perth over the weekend. So they're winless. They're, sorry, their uh, perfect start is now done and dusted. But, look, I don't think if I was a City fan, I wouldn't be too stressed. Al, what's your sort of thoughts? Uh, well, I've been w- watching a lot of it, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's four games in, as you said. Anyway, you, you know, with, with the A-League, you can kind of, you don't have to win the the, the ladder, uh, the league uh, at all, you know, you've got a, a chance to win win the whole competition. So, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. How do you guys feel about that? Do you, do you prefer the the final system, Mitch, 
or do you prefer just to be a league system? I prefer it to be a league system. I mean, that's what it's about. It's the best. It's the best team over the year, not the team that maybe has the most fit players towards the end. It's yeah, you know, it's it's ludicrous. I just think it it just pays into what Australian sports are at the moment, and that's all it is. You know, every other code in Australia, you know, there's a final series. It doesn't matter if you get a little you get a little trophy finishing on top, and then you get to play for a bigger one at the mm. end of the you know after a final series. And that's you know in Australia they get a plate for finishing on top. And then they go after the toilet seat, you know, if they win the league. So it's just, no, I'm it's not about, about it. sums up the final series as well a bit. <laughs> I, I agree with you that with that as well. And I think we mentioned it the other day with the relegation. Mm. You know, if there was something to fight for, then, you know, a little bit, a little bit more interesting. And, those, and it does work, you know, with the championship, for example, you know, that there's always a playoff there. Uh, I think that works as well because you're actually fighting to get into, you know, the Premier League. So they should they should have that sort of structure over here if they can do, um, but mm. I suppose it's all down to money. Huge! It's all about it's all about the dollars, and they don't play. To be honest with you, the other, and just to be, you know, to argue both sides here, they only play twenty six. There's only twenty six rounds. Yeah, that's not enough to really just make a definitive. You know, you are the champions. But I mean, like my junior my junior team in the NPL system, they play twenty two during the regular season and eleven grading games. They play thirty three. So it's already a longer, a longer, you know, season than A League, which is questionable mm-hmm. at best. You know, the the men's um, top league, I think they play in the mid twenties as well. You know, there's got to be more matches. There's that's the only way to grow the game, really. Play more matches, create that promotion relegation, and get rid of final series. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. And they need yeah, to I get think- some more, more marquee players in. I mean, talk about marquee player. Sorry, Nick, I jumped in there. No, go for it. I was going to say Daniel Sturridge. Why hasn't he played yet? The missing man. Well, Al, you, you, if you, he struggles with four-hour flights. I reckon if we gave you the opportunity, you'd be on the on the field right now, and you've just come off a twenty-six-hour flight. So, dodge you back by two knee operations. I'll be well up for playing a you know a bit of a kick around. I wouldn't last very long. I'd probably get sent off. Um, but yeah, he's being wrapped up in cotton wool at the moment. Mm. Sorry, I mean it's not like he's 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 what he's not thirty-eight years old. He's he's in his kind of in his prime. He's only mm. thirty-two. I reckon it's a bit soft. I'll, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I'll defend him. He like he was in quarantine for two weeks, limited training. He didn't really spend a preseason with Perth or nothing at all. He came pretty late, and he hasn't really played top level football in like one and a half years, two years, something like that. Um, so yeah, they're probably just easing him, easing him into it. But I agree with you. I think you know it's the A League. At least have him on the bench. Like getting some minutes under his belt or something yep. like that. Um, should be itching to play, right? Yeah, that's it. He should be out there. It's his, it's his last chance, really. As I say, he's only thirty-two. He hasn't, as you mentioned, he hasn't played top-level football for a while. Yeah, you know, he's got to stop being a prima donna. Get out there. <laughs> Put his fucking shit. Oh, sweat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll calm this down. This is why we like you here. This is what we missed last week. This is what we paid you for. That. <laughs> <laughs> No, you are right. You've, got, you, you've definitely got a point. I, I don't understand how you can go from playing, uh, coming off the bench in the first game of the season, he played like five minutes or whatever it was, to then playing none in the next three games in Melbourne. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not good for the Victorian fans, at least. I would have loved to have seen him play uh, down here, but wasn't to be. No, and I mean, that, like, he could have played last night off the bench. Um, they've got a nine-day break before their next game, and that's in Brisbane. So there's plenty of time for him to rest and recover and get ready. I mean, you'd hope he's at least on the bench and going to get some serious minutes next weekend. Otherwise, 
I know, again, we had, we're only four weeks in, four games in, but you've got a question why they even bother because I can guarantee he's on a pretty penny to be here. <laughs> so there's a lot of money going yeah. down the drain. And, you know, if he's not going to play, you're not getting the ticket sales either. So That's it. And it's not a long season at all, no. like we just touched on. No, only only 21 <laughs> games to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, plus final series. Yeah, I would, mate, I would absolutely prefer the A-League to have like another 10 games or whatever, play everyone three times instead of having the final series, just going back on that topic. But yeah, um, for sure. But that I think that just about wraps up the A-League, I think. Oh, what did you think of Melbourne victory, Mitch, actually, before we move on? 3-0 loss at home to Perth, again, without Daniel Sturridge, but bloody hell, that, that's not the true victory, is it? No, it's not the victory we we you know got used to seeing early on uh, in those first two games. But look, I think maybe there's bits and pieces in this. You know, victory players, just they're getting off that high of a new coach, a new system, the new season starting, that adrenaline dips off a little bit. You know, maybe, maybe the, the effort they had to put in for those first two games was more than they were used to. Maybe they didn't have as many preseason matches. I know, you know, for a fact that West United played, I think, three or four A-League teams in their preseason. In comparison, City only played two, and they were both against West United. That was it. That was their only practice matches besides one NPL team and a cup game. So, you know, you look at that, there's a difference there. Did maybe victory guys don't have the minutes in them yet? But it is it is slightly worrying. You shouldn't be losing. You almost close the doors a bit there at that stage, don't you? Mm. I mean, the red card obviously played a big part in that as well. Mm. Uh, sorry for keeping you out of this, Al. We'll move back onto a topic that you're more familiar with, and it's the player of the week. And we'll probably have to catch up on two weeks here because there was midweek action. So let's start off with um, we'll start off with match week 14, the midweek action from the week prior. Uh, so if we can remember who we liked from that week, Al, who did you you go with? Well, match day 14. Um mm. Well, what was I going to say? Obviously, I went to one of the games, so um, there were quite a few standout performers. Uh, John McGinn at Villa was superb for Gerard. Yes, he was um, actually. Mane and Salah, Salah for Liverpool who ripped Everton apart in the you know Merseyside derby, to name a few. Yep. As I was at the game, the Tottenham Brentford game, I'm going to have to go for with a Tottenham player, um, and that is one Oliver Skip. You know, Skippy was outstanding, strong in the tackle and the actual creating chances. Uh, ball into Kane, I don't know if you saw that, the second half was sublime. Unfortunately, the finish was lacking, but um, but he was my player of the week for match day 14. I like it, the young one. How old is he? He's, still He's 21. 21. Oh, 21, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Starting to get a bit more game time, which is good to see. I like that. Mitch? Mine's very simple. If Jimmy was here, he would have done this anyway, so I might as well for us both. <laughs> Uh, Ronaldo, two goals, including the winner. I mean, under the new management, that's what more can you ask for? Proving you can do the job. And then he mm-hmm. got subbed off and walked straight down the tunnel and that was it, end of end of his night. So he didn't even hang around to watch the re- end result, but that's okay. He's, he's done his job. But look, I think he he's done well under a new manager, clearly changed his game a little bit to, to fit in and, and he clearly pressed a little bit, which was interesting to see. Um, but look, two goals, including the match winner. That's what he's there to do. He's done it again. It was nice to see him for that reason. He's he's three points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't mind that. They needed that win against Arsenal as well. So, and two goals. Uh, his first goal in a while in the Premier League. So, yeah, definitely warrants a few votes. I'm going to say, I'm going to fill in for Jimmy here and say Mo Salah. The two goals in the derby at Goodison Park 
Oh, Jimmy, good. Jimmy would never, <laughs> ever go for my fella. You can just claim them as your own. It's fine. We, we know that your votes. It's all right. Jimmy didn't yeah, have three points. There we go. Move on. <laughs> I know. I was going to say he texted me before to put down uh, Mo Salah for him, but yeah, oh, yeah. I'd, you'd obviously know I'd be lying. Uh, but yeah, Mo Salah, uh, I'd probably, yeah. Unfortunately, Al, I'll probably have to give Skip the one vote. I'll give Salah the two and I'll give Ronaldo the three, considering that it was a closer game. And yes, the match winner uh, proved pretty important for, um, for yeah, United. So three votes to Ronaldo for match week 14. And now match week 15, Al, I see a strange name next to your name here on this on the run sheet. Well, <laughs> Give I us know. your thoughts behind I this. I know. Well, that's it. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to go for Bernardo Silva, but you yeah. know, that was taken by Nick. And I think, Mitch, you were going to go for him as well. Um, <laughs> and I'm surprised you didn't go for Divock Origi, who has the best name in the world, by the way. Um, you know, super sub scoring the winner. Um, yeah. And uh, shout out to Jared Bowen too, who was excellent. But, you know, West Ham were pretty lucky with that one. But yeah, my player of the week, who I've slagged off in recent weeks, we all have, um, and I said he was pretty useless, is um, is Mitch's mate, Fred. Uh, He's pretty decent in the centre of midfield and he popped up to score the winner. Was he actually Um, good in midfield? I I didn't watch the game, but was he good? He was pretty decent against Palace. Um, Made some good blocks as well and defending as well. He He was everywhere. He was pressing. Okay. It was great. It's that structural change from uh, Carrick, right? Um, but he's he's <laughs> he's actually got more Premier League goals than Harry Kane this season now, um, with the total of two. Uh, well, there you go. Pretty depressing, but yeah, Fred is my player <laughs> of the week for match day fifteen. Harry Kane really is starting to piss me off now because I've had him in fantasy for weeks now, yeah. and I captained him last week, thinking he would score against Norwich, and he blanked again. Not even an assist. Come on, mate. He's Do you know what? The... Do you know, he's, he's been playing quite well, actually. He's, he has. That The second goal uh, against Brentford, there's a pass that he did to, to Reguilón, which was superb. And he had a few chances he should have scored against Brentford and, and also in Norwich at the week. You know, mm. the, the game's just gone. But, uh, but it'll happen. It'll come back. Just wait. Wait and see. Yeah. yeah. At least he's I getting don't... chances. He's, he didn't have any chances before that. You know, we're saying with um, underneath. Yeah, that's so true. That's true. He's getting, getting, you know, getting playing. He's playing anyway. that playmaker role, but I just hope that he doesn't have COVID or if, you know, Spurs games don't get postponed, which they probably will. But anyway, Mitch, what about you, mate? Yeah, well, look, as as Al did mention, I was also going to go silver and I'm lucky I checked the run sheet. Otherwise, I would have been <laughs> a bit of trouble. And I think the fact that we're all going to vote him probably argues that he has the three points in the bag. Um, yeah, I'm so. also glad Al pointed out um, Jared Bowen because he's been fantastic in that West Ham. Uh, for West Ham, he just is a workhorse, always popping up. Not the prettiest player, but he just gets the job done and his, his goal was good against Chelsea. So... You, you can't argue, but I'm actually going to go for a player in that match, but not uh, not a West Ham player. Mason Mount, he just, for me, I mean, he ran, he did so well in that midfield. Um, I think the key thing that, not to take away from, obviously, this is a voting situation, but the key thing for Chelsea, there was no Kante, which makes a big difference in that midfield. But me, Mason Mount, one goal, one assist. You can argue if he had the better player around him, it wouldn't have been an issue, but he was just fantastic. I mean, there's not much else he could do in that match to guide Chelsea to getting some points out of it. 
And if it wasn't for a very lucky uh, cross, it's it sort of would have stayed that way, and they would have come away with a point. You know, you can argue he was the he is the reason that we're even in that game to start with. So for me, Mason Mount was my player, but I think we all know who's going to get the three points here. <laughs> Fred, it was it, it was a phenomenal strike there by Mason Mount, but yeah, Bernardo Silva, my man, uh, had him in fantasy actually, which was good. But yeah, the brace against Watford, and you know what? If there's anyone that's going to be competing for Player of the Year this season against Mo Salah, it probably is Bernardo Silva. He's been, uh, yeah, very consistent all season. Probably been City's best player, or you know, competing with Cancelo actually. Um, but yeah, three votes. I think it's obvious. You guys said it. You guys wanted to pick him, but I got in first. Um, two votes. Ooh, Fred or Mason Mount. I'd say Fred because they actually got the win. And then, yeah, Mason Mount, brilliant goal. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, Chelsea didn't get the three points. So, Mason Mount. So, so the person who's voting for the player of the week just, just literally put in, got six points for his two players. No, no, no. I, I gave Seller two last. Oh, was it Seller uh, two? Was it? Oh, yeah, I gave, I gave Mitch's Ronaldo get, okay. three. Five Tried to be there. fair. You know, I mean, what else do you want me? <laughs> it's also the person that creates the run sheet just gets to put his yeah, gets to put whatever he wants. What, to yeah, that, yeah, exactly right. You know, Bernard Silva was the best. You know, we know that we were going to get him. Uh, well, I mean, last week when you were away, Al, I had to fill in for you, and I let the other guys pick, and they did their they they chose their players or whatever. So I gave them first preference. And then there was no one else but Liverpool players for me to pick from. So I picked a Liverpool player and I got accused for picking a Liverpool player. Who was it though? Oh, I can't remember now. Um, maybe Jota. Was it Jota? I, I said Tiago on, on, the, on the slack, didn't I? Oh, Tiago got... Yeah, that's right. I said Tiago. Yeah, Thiago. you went Tiago. And then I yeah. questioned if it was only because of his Champions League goal and nothing to do with the Premier League. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, he was pretty good in the, pre- he was pretty good in the, um, the game at the weekend as well, wasn't he? He was. He's actually been playing very well. Yeah. He's yeah. He was always going to come accustomed to the league and, and find the oh. games. It's just picking which games he plays in to make that bit of impact and the difference. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's such quality. A, such a class. World class. Um, weekend coming up. There are a few decent games uh, to look forward to. What about you boys? What are you guys looking forward to the most? I'm not going to go a game that I'm looking necessarily the most forward to watching-wise, but I think Palace-Everton could be quite interesting. You know, we're all pretty happy with what Vieira's been doing at Everton. Uh, sorry, at Palace, you know, the differences that he's been making and the way that they're playing, but results have got to come at some point. Um, and how much longer can he stay safe for before the questions start being asked? And, you know, he's getting Everton at arguably a good time. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Damari Gray's excellence, you know, Rafa, as we've always said for the last couple of weeks, would be under the pump. So it could be one of those ones where the losing manager over the next couple of weeks might really be under the microscope. So I think from a coach sacking uh, point of view, which is what this podcast loves to look at, uh, it could be an interesting one, you know, maybe not straight away, but definitely in the coming weeks for the losing manager under the pump. So I'll be interested to see who wins that one. Yeah, we, we did speak about uh, honeymoon periods for managers and Vieira probably falls under that category. I, I still think he'd be safe for a while at least um, unless they start to enter that relegation battle again. But for now, anyway, you'd think so anyway, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. That will be one to keep an eye on. Al, what about you? Well, 
I think we've already mentioned it, but is it going to go ahead? Brighton versus Tottenham. That was the game that we were going to look at. Mm. Um, if it does go ahead, I can't see can't see us playing any. You know, maybe they'll they'll. I should fly over, fly back over, and see if I can get a game. Right. <laughs> there um, are a few spots open, apparently. So yeah, Conte might appreciate your tactics at halfway. Just pulling a few players out down by the net. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't last five minutes. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, that that game. But obviously, that the one you're going to talk about in a minute is 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 the key one over the weekend, Nick. Yeah, of course. The the Liverpool Aston Villa game at Anfield. Gerard returns to the sacred home. So, yeah, I think that's that's the blockbuster one for the weekend. Everyone will be keeping an eye on that. Um, it'll be interesting. Like, I mean, they've already asked Gerard about it and what you know. Uh, he, he's feeling ahead of the game going to Anfield because because when he was at Rangers, he was speaking so highly of Liverpool and Klopp. He's like, they're the team I support. I want them to do well. I love Klopp. I wouldn't want to take over from Klopp. Um, I'm a supporter, et cetera, et cetera. A few months later, he's an Aston Villa manager now going to um, Anfield. Would he really want to take three points off Liverpool? Uh, it's, a, it's a strange position to be in. I think he would. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, he would, he would, but <laughs> I reckon he was just playing. He was just playing mind games, mind games from the start, trying to get inside Klopp's head, you know, <laughs> psych him out a little bit. He's going right where he wants him, leading into the match. He's fine. He's... Yeah, he he knew the uh, Aston Villa job was going to be vacant. <laughs> he was going to pick up a gig in the Premier League, you know, sooner rather than later. He's like, you know, when it comes up, I'm going to be in Klopp's head, and Klopp won't know what hits him. That's that's all it is. <laughs> it would be huge if he does uh, take points at Anfield, or better yet, gets a win. Um, yeah, it would be massive, but hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen from my point of view anyway. But yes, to watch all those games, be sure to follow them all on the EPL Live app and the A-League as well on the A-League Live app. Um, highlights posted there, live scores, stats, everything you need. So be sure to follow it on the Sportsmate apps. We're all looking forward to it. And until next time, enjoy the football. <laughs> <laughs>